Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name is Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. This is the 10th episode of the Move Your Mind limited construction series. We're doing this because every year 190 Australians working in the construction industry take their own lives and construction workers are six times more likely to die from suicide than an accident at work. On today's episode, I spoke to Rebecca Casson, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Master Builders Victoria. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to moveyourmind.me and join the Move Your Mind community, or you can buy the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com slash book. Rebecca, thank you so much for making the time to come on the podcast. It's certainly a pleasure. It's delightful to see you, and uh, I'm excited for the interview. Yeah, same here. And, you know, really, it's been great doing this this series, this construction series, and um, the feedback we've had has been phenomenal. I, I think what we've realised is there just needs to be, you know, more conversation in this industry. Um, and it's starting to happen, but I think it's, you know, something that we can't sort of talk about enough. So, you know, I really appreciate, you know, you people like yourself uh, making the time to just come and share insights and, and come on here because I, I know it definitely helps. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, such an important subject in our industry and uh, and I'm delighted to talk about it. I think that what I've actually found is that certainly because of my gender uh, and, and I don't mean to genderize the, the, the dialogue, but um, I do believe that because of my gender, I've been able to say a lot more in terms of mental health than uh, perhaps has been said before from an industry perspective. So uh, mm. you know, perhaps we can talk a bit about that later on. Absolutely. No, that would be super interesting to talk about. So I guess before we go into all of that, are you able to give um, a background on yourself and basically what you do and how you came to doing what you do now? Yeah, sure. Well, um, you probably know I'm the first woman to be appointed as the CEO of Master Builders Victoria in the organisation's 147-year history. Um, And uh, but actually, today is my last day in the role. After four years, I've just announced that I'm going to be stepping down. So you've got this exclusive recording as the last ever interview that I'm actually going to be doing as the CEO of Master Builders Victoria. So um, it's uh, it's with much sadness that I that I leave. But there's um, some exciting things on the horizon. In fact, I've agreed to continue to be involved with the building construction industry. Uh, yesterday, I was appointed as the president of Inkalink, uh, the first woman actually to be appointed in the organisation's 34 year history. And um, and I'm also going to remain connected. I'm the Victorian government's chairperson of the Building Industry Consultative Council. Um, and I was the first woman to be appointed in that group's 21-year uh, history. So um, there's a lot of glass ceilings that I've been able to kind of punch through uh, in that space. Um, and uh, those part-time positions are actually going to enable me to take a much-needed break uh, during the summer to recharge, which, as you know, from a mental health perspective, is really important uh, to focus on that and um, continue with my academic studies and explore other career opportunities with a fresh mind in the new year. So it's been 
been a long, hard slog um, over COVID particularly. So, um, but you asked me uh, uh, how I got to where I am today and mm. um, a bit of a, a convoluted story. So I'll, I'll try to skip through some of it, but I, I didn't anticipate that I would ever be working in the building construction industry. In fact, when I lived in England, um, and that's where I'm from originally, I had the opportunity to work in private legal practice, but I realized it wasn't for me. And I instead chose to serve my community and work in public service. And through my government work, I became involved in various international engagement projects. And I worked with a a wonderful man called Baron Bruce Lockhart, who was a very skilled politician, had a great vision for establishing global networks. And he actually wanted to broaden um, links beyond what England had in terms of Europe and engage with uh, the USA, uh, developing special relationships, particularly with the Commonwealth of Virginia. And when I was working in Virginia to create economic engagement opportunities, tourism, trade, education, uh, I was actually approached by the federal government in the US to um, take on the inaugural role as executive director of the British Committee for Jamestown, which was established to commemorate America's 400th anniversary. And Jamestown is a very special place where the uh, first English ships landed in 1607 and became the first permanent English speaking settlement in North America. And uh, so if you know the Pocahontas story, you'll know all about that. And this was a career highlight for me because it was only commemorated once every 50 years. And um, I got to work with some very influential and senior individuals, Lord Watson of Richmond, Sir Robert Worcester, um, and an influential board, members of the House of Lords and Parliament. And that happened, the commemoration happened in 2007. And um, there was lots of work in the lead up. We had to work with Buckingham Palace and the Queen came over and um, the Virginia Indians, the Indigenous people participated in the commemoration. Um, and I was tasked with developing all of those relationships and everything. And of course, when that came to an end in 2007, uh, I thought, well, what, what could beat mm. that? And came on a holiday to Australia in, in 2007. And it was actually the Victorian government that sponsored me to come out on a skilled migration visa. And one of the conditions was that I had to live and work in regional Victoria. And uh, well, I'd never known, I didn't know where regional Victoria was, so I had to Google it. And uh, so I chose to live in Geelong from Google Earth, moved there with no jobs to come to, nowhere, no one, you know, didn't know anyone. And um, my daughter was nine year old, uh, nine years old at the time. And uh, it was really interesting to move to a place where I had to restart my whole career and uh, really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And, you know, thinking about that, about resetting things, but also it was quite liberating as well. Um, and uh, and certainly it's one of the best things that I've ever done, one of my most favourite achievements. And I, I did a bit of work in Geelong. Uh, and then um, part of that work was to be the CEO of the committee for Geelong. Uh, and I actually started in that role at the time when Ford and Alcoa announced that they were closing their manufacturing operations in the city and Shell announced it was selling the refinery. So it was a, a massive time of change for the city. And of course, it's going great guns now. And part of that work was a collaboration with the United Nations Global Compact Cities Program, RMIT University as well, and undertook a lot of research. And part of that also centered on the building construction industry, elements of that too. And uh, that's when I was approached to do this job. And I started my role at Master Builders in 2019. So 
yeah, that's kind of like how I how I became uh, to be the CEO of Master Builders Victoria. And of course, never an easy uh, decision to decide to step down. It's mm-hmm. never, um, you know, as some of your listeners will know, these types of job are, jobs are exceptionally tough. And we might speak about the pandemic in a moment. Um, but with the conclusion of some significant change initiatives that I'm really proud to have overseen during my time in the association, I know it's the right time for me to hand over the baton. It feels a little bit like jumping out of the plane without a parachute, but you know, I really know that it's important for my mental health to, to really have the courage to, to make that decision. And there are obvious benefits that come with experience and longevity in a role, but it should always be balanced with the need for renewal. And you know, I've got a wonderful team at Master Builders Victoria, amazing members, but I've got a great sense of confidence and strong sense of pride that as you, you know, the organisation is going to move forward with the next phase of leadership. And I'm really looking forward to my role um, as the newly named president of Incalink and remaining closely connected with the industry. Um, and I might talk a bit more about Incalink and the work that it's doing in the mental health and wellbeing space later on. So, yeah, that's a, a bit of a, a 30,000 foot view, as they say in the States, of, of how I got to where I am today. Yeah, well, <clears throat> thank you for sharing that. And I think we'll probably need to do a um a follow-up interview to just fit everything in because you've done a huge amount and it feels like a common theme that you know you've had in your life is really listening to your gut pushing yourself out of your comfort zone I guess as you're saying as you are now as you did when you you know moved to Australia and I think it's a really important message because I think we often because of fear of the unknown or um you know expectation or what we should do we don't always do what we actually need to do for ourselves because it's scary and you don't know what's going to happen. So I think that's a really good message. And um, before I go into the next question, I've got a very important question. You lived in Geelong. Are you a Geelong supporter in the AFL? Because <laughs> myself and my family are completely, it's like a religion for us. I know. I know absolutely that, um, you know, about your connections to uh, the cats and um, and it was not an option for me. Uh, <laughs> It was like when I moved to Geelong, it was akin to having, uh, I'm not, I, I didn't really know much about AFL and I'm a soccer, I was a soccer fan in, um, you know, foot, like proper football in England. Mm. Um, it was akin to having Manchester United on your doorstep, but yeah. you'd never get David Beckham, you know, at the local cafe who was so happy to sign autographs and everything else like that. And, um, you know, Cameron Ling, and that was at the time when I was working very closely with Geelong football club Brian Cook Frank Costa Mm. I did a lot of work um, with them in my previous role to actually raise the money uh, to um, to develop Cadinia Park Stadium and in fact um, I served on the inaugural Cadinia Park Stadium Trust um, when that was established by the Victorian government so yeah my passion for the Geelong Football Club for the Cats for the community in Geelong remains I still have properties down in Geelong and I spend a lot of time there Um, and it's been a great place to raise my daughter and, um, you know, and to, to have a family. So it's been um, it's been a good place for me. And I'm, I'm very, very glad that I Googled, um, you know, regional <laughs> Victorian, decided on Geelong. There are a few other options, but I, might, I won't name the, the other ones that I decided not to choose. But you could probably imagine what they were. Yeah, no, no. But I, yeah, exactly. I think Geelong is a very good option. Uh, so how, how has the experience been for you being, you know, having such a demanding role and being in that position in in a male-dominated industry? 
Yeah, look, it has. Uh, it's certainly not for the faint-hearted, mm. um, and there's been some really great things, um, and there's been some really big challenges. and And I might perhaps use COVID as a, as an example of yeah. how perhaps um, as a woman, I have been able to bring extra um, skills into that space that perhaps being male dominated in the past might have not have had the same outcome so um you know the 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 way that that covid started back in 2020 uh was you know really um really quite confronting i remember saying you know we're, we're gonna put every way we're gonna have everyone working from home mm. and i remember um there were certain people that suggested that i was being histrionic uh that it was just you know a, a, the flu and it was just going to pass over in a few weeks and how wrong were they mm. and i said you know i need to have my team working from home so that when things get really bad that we know that w- our stuff is sorted out and that we can actually um service our members from a strong base um, and we did that within one week um, wow. and and we never missed a beat but the you know there were ever-changing rules and ensuring please uh, you know people were safe it was um it was a really uh, challenging time and we tried to keep businesses open and um you know there are 111,000 building construction businesses in Victoria and it a lot of that fell to uh, master builders Victoria everyone was looking at ours but as it became clear that, that the pandemic was enormous, I very quickly realized that it wasn't looking good and that we really had to successfully adapt. And um, I actually brought together um, the unions and the employer associations and persuaded them to collaborate effectively to pursue some really positive goals and outcomes. And as you might have heard, you know, the, there was a, a, a real um a really challenging relationship between the unions um, and master builders in the past. Um, and but but I managed to really uh, working with the CFMEU particularly uh, to collaborate in a way that had never been seen before. And, and I was appointed as the chair of a, a collaborative group of employer associations and unions known as the big one the building industry group operating as one. Um, And that was the group that really, you know, uh, cut through a lot of the things and um, and, uh, consistently and collaborated, uh, you know, collaborated together, helped our sector to navigate those very sensitive issues, uh, the vaccination mandates, the worksite restrictions and the shutdowns. And uh, it was a very confronting time, but it was really important. You know, I remember people saying to me, oh, let's just get to April 2020, Easter. Let's just Mm. get to Easter. If we can get to Easter without being shut down, then that will be really important. And I just returned from a study tour, the first Australian-led post-pandemic building construction industry um, study tour. And we went to Brussels, London, Birmingham, Washington, New York. I could have stopped in and said hi to you. Um, (laughs) and, uh, uh, And Scotland. And, you know, we didn't realise that most of those places actually shut down their whole building construction industry for three months. Wow. And and we kept going. And that was because 
we worked together, the unions and the employer associations that was led by me and John Secker at the time. And we gave confidence to our industry. We gave confidence to the government to, to make sure that they knew that we could keep our sites safe and open. And that really put food, continued to put food on the table for a lot of Victorians, you know, and um, there was a lot of advocacy work and it was a time like no other in recent memory mm. uh, and it was really significant challenge for our industry and you know everyone worked tirelessly and it really was such a wild ride it was really confronting at times um and but the pandemic taught us to adapt and collaborate and um you know i'm proud to say that that the approach that we took in victoria certainly set the scene nationally with other industry associations and unions and people have said to me that they've never seen the cooperation in decades that was essential through the pandemic particularly as i said between master builders victoria and the cfmeu and um and that uh, was a real standout and particularly i know that it made a massive difference to the victorian government when they engaged with us because they could see that we were speaking with one voice um, and we were moving as one. Um, and that was so important. Um, and in fact, as, as part of that work, I was actually inducted into the Victorian honour roll of women in the category of leading through disaster, which was another career highlight for me. And you mentioned about working in the male dominated industry. And I think mm. that using um, my gender um, and the skills that come uh, you know, sometimes with, with not all women, but 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 certainly with me, the ability to be able to uh, negotiate in such a way that uh, engenders that spirit of cooperation and collaboration for those people that want to collaborate and cooperate, of course. Um, but I do, when I look back, consider that what we achieved through that pandemic, um, I realised that it would have taken as many more years to implement the necessary changes and build the relationships that we had to develop in an instant in such a short space of time. We were working hundreds of hours each week. It was 24-7, seven days a week. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm certainly exceptionally honoured to for the part that I played in helping our industry navigate that pandemic never want to repeat it again um but i certainly know that that you know my contribution helped to keep food on the table for many families and you know where where lots of people struggled so i'll always be proud of that absolutely i mean it takes a a, a lot of leadership skills and just strong character to to do that and and i guess you would have had to be learning as you went because there's no rule book for that kind of situation and it's sort of a trial and error you know scenario so um, it's a pretty, I, I can imagine you wouldn't want to repeat it again, but something to be super proud of. And um, the next question sort of got two parts to it. Uh, in general, you know, what are, what, what, what is mental health like in, in, in this industry? Um, is it improving? Are there, is there more sort of discussion, more services? And the second part to that, what was, what, how do you feel COVID impacted mental health in the industry? Well, I'm, I'm going to take the first one, the last one first. Yeah. I think COVID really impacted mental health in the industry. You had people um, that were stressed about the virus, um, about themselves, about knowing how to handle the situation. Um, I really like the, the work of Brene Brown, and she talks a lot about anxiety um, and change, you know, and I think that for the first time ever, people didn't know what was going on. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and there was, um, you know, the fake news and everything else. And, and people were just truly frightened. Mm. Um, and, you know, the importance of having confidence and showing leadership, despite the fact that you don't know what's going on as well. That was, you know, a lot of us had to dig really deep, but that did take its toll on a lot of people and mental health, a lot of people. So um, I think that, uh, it it really some of that is only just starting to come to the fore. I think people talk about having PTSD from COVID, but it, it's actually a real thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and that I think that the services are struggling in that regard, and people were in their houses um, together, people suffering from different aspects of mental health issues, and uh, you know, so so it, COVID brought to the fore a lot of things, whether it was marital difficulties, marriage breakdowns you know, um, domestic family violence, you know, those sorts of issues, it all kind of bubbled and, and surfaced. And, you know, so as I move then into the, the first question, which is about the state of mental health in the building construction industry, I do remain deeply concerned that our industry still has the highest rate of suicide in any sector. And research actually shows that an Australian building or construction worker takes their own life every two days. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a really confronting statistic. And um, <laughs> excuse me, this um, this was brought to the fore earlier on this year. Yeah, it's hard to get your head around that that statistic. It's um, yeah, it's absolutely insane. Horrific. And, you know, the very very sad um, uh, death of Mario Baezin, and I I find it still difficult to talk about it without mm. crying. At my leaving event last night, Mario's uh, widow and his daughter were there at my leaving event, and I was really sad not to see him there. We worked very closely together, but mm-hmm. Mario was the um, the the founder, the co-founder and CEO of Metricon, which was Australia's uh, largest home builder. And um, and his death earlier on this year was very confronting to lots of people, but brought that to the fore in a lot of ways and really sort of highlighted that building construction doesn't have a national approach to uh, response, responding to mental health. Mm-hmm. There are lots of, you know, lots of organisations doing great work and I might get to that, but you know, it's really important. These facts the, the very confronting facts about, um, you know, te- workers taking their lives every two days, if you really get, get your head around that, it's alarming. Uh, but more, more importantly, it's preventable, you know, yeah. and um, really maintaining physical and mental well-being. It should be a priority for all of us, but particularly in building construction. And it's a mm. shared responsibility for employers and employees, and everyone's got to play their part. And as I mentioned, there's lots of amazing work being done. And and if you'll allow me, perhaps I might just focus on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One organization, I've mentioned them already earlier, Inkalink, which Mm. um, 
actually does have a focus on mental health and well-being and this great organization it's actually the largest worker entitlement fund in Australia and it provides a, a safety net for workers in the building and construction industry where permanency and continuity of employment are significant issues which is another area you know when people can sort of perceive that <coughs> excuse me the project that they're working on is coming to an end the uncertainty um, of it yeah yeah that's yeah. it and the transient nature of building construction projects you know when you've yeah. finished building a hospital and you've got to move mm-hmm. on to another work site that can actually take a toll on people as well but Inkalink members really get security you know of redundancy payments portable sick leave income protection insurance and and also uh, industry best training as well. I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, uh, Inklink is the largest funder of industry uh, best training in in Australia. And the funds that um, Inklink um, have under management help to support that actually funds health and wellbeing support through the investment of um, member entitlements. And, Mm. um, you know, its programs include counselling and um, the Blue Hats Suicide Prevention Program, and mm. it does on-site health checks and um, vaccinations, and you know actually puts some reinvestment back into the industry, as I mentioned, through funding programs. And it it really is a, an organisation that brings together employer associations and unions as well, which, as mm. I've already mentioned, is really important. And it's an employer association, it's an employer group. It's a safety net for workers. Um, and workers' mental health in our industry. So, and it actually, um, over the past 30 years, and many people don't realise it, but Inklink has gone from providing a basic chaplaincy to a full counselling service and a range of mental health and education programmes, which, which is actually delivered on site to workers. And um, the suite of services that the organisation offers includes counselling and on-site mental health, education, toolbox talks, drug and alcohol support services, financial counselling, which is so important as well, and and a a really important peer-to-peer prevention uh, programme, which is called Blue Hats. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the programme actually was launched in 2018, and that was in response to the the increased suicide rate in the industry. And it's actually delivered in partnership with WorkSafe, which is another great organisation, and CBAR similarly, and Mm. they also co-fund it. And, And it was actually envisaged to be a gatekeeper, a peer support program. Um, And it actually educates workers to really identify those early signs of suicidality and psychological distress in both themselves and in others. And, Mm. um, you know, that's the thing is knowing what the signs are um, is a real challenge in that space, particularly when when you're not attuned to those things. And Inkalink actually delivers a one hour general awareness session on site to all workers. And that's really important to know what some of those triggers are. And then then volunteers are asked to participate in an additional one day specific program uh, to become what we call a blue hat. And there's a full day course um, and there's round tables and annual conferences and graduates of the blue hats training program are actually provided with a distinctive Inkalink blue hat. It's a hard hat, a blue hard Mm. hat. Um, to wear on site so that they can be identified as being trained and actually available to chat Um, and and that's important because sometimes people don't know they don't they don't feel comfortable in talking to other people and of course when when you sort of say and you know are you okay and actually sometimes it can be quite confronting when someone turns around and said no actually I'm 
I'm not doing yeah. very well. And people don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. Um, and blue hats, once they're trained, they acquire that knowledge and skills and they actually provide that peer-to-peer, um, on-site peer support for workers. And, you know, um, those workers that have got suicide or mental health concerns, and they actually provide referrals to support services. And Incalink is this is the organization that, that actually facilitates those referrals. And it really is uniquely placed because it's got that, you know, to deliver that peer support suicide program, it's got an in-house counseling service um, for workers to be referred to. And it actually, the service is known and trusted in our industry. And perhaps I'll just tell you a bit more about that in a moment. But uh, it's really important to note that during COVID, um, the Blue Hats program actually was redeveloped for online delivery. I, I talk a lot about what COVID has taken away from us, but I also focus, try to focus having a glass half full mentality and great optimism of what COVID um, did for us. And one of the many innovations that was brought about because of the pandemic was the creation of the digital Blue Hats program, yep. which actually enabled Inkalink to deliver the program interstate and in regional Victoria, uh, where on-site delivery had actually been a real challenge previously because of the geography as well. So there are now over um, 500 workers on site across Victoria in their distinctive blue hats um, uh, offering this really vital service to their mates, uh, you know, with over 100 workers already putting their hand up to be trained next year. And, you know, my shout out to anyone um, listening to this podcast or watching it is, you know, we need more volunteers. We need to raise the awareness of this. And, um, you know, just as I close, I mentioned earlier about Inklink's counselling service. And again, many people don't realise that this service is available to workers and their family members. And it's fully funded. Like it's it's fully funded by Inklink's investment returns, meaning it's free, free to workers and their family yeah. members. Yeah. And that removes the financial barrier because, you know, a lot of people really go, I'm, I'm not feeling well. Um, but I can't afford to take time off work. I can't afford the medical bills. I can't afford to go and see a counsellor or I can't afford to see a clinical psychologist or other or seek support um, because they're worried about financial stress. And this service is free. Um, and that really does remove that barrier. Um, members are provided with 10 sessions. They're free. And um, it provides a referral pathway also to other services, just you know, like GP, the mental health plans, psychologists, relationship counseling services, and detox and rehabil- rehabilitation services as well. Um, and in 2020, the service went online in COVID. Um, you know, where many other services were prevented from running, this service went online. So mm-hmm. we were able keep running through all of that time um, for workers and you know the online option remains and most workers actually choose to do online counseling sessions you can Mm. do it from your car you can do it from your bedroom you know and um, and it really is good that choice of video counseling again removing that barrier to actually turn up somewhere physically Um, you know a lot of people talk about shame um, but, you know, you, you've got to be in that arena and, um, you know, really not having to actually physically turn up somewhere, I think, is is very helpful to someone. Um, and, uh, you know, my message again to anyone, I, I delivered a, a speech at the Master Builders um, Excellence in Housing Awards last month and um, spoke about uh, a scholarship that uh, Inkling had sponsored for the Mario Biasin uh, scholarship for the Master Builders Foundation. And I said this, you know, it's important for everyone to remember 
that you're not alone. And they're not just, you know, um, motherhood and apple pie statements. There's a lot of people yeah. out, a lot of organisations out there. And to anyone that is struggling, you know, please seek help. And I know that it's difficult because sometimes people don't identify that they need help. Um, uh, but people might just be feeling a bit discombobulated, a bit out of sorts, a bit out of the ordinary. Um, and the message is that, Inkalink and other organizations are here to support you. And uh, it's really important to access those services and there's no shame in it at all. And you won't be judged by it. Um, and uh, it doesn't matter. Some people see broken legs um, and the physical injuries that you can see that are really sometimes quite easy to treat. And people perhaps tend to think that mental illness, mental health issues um, are embarrassing and they're not. They mm. must be treated in the same way. Um, you know, as uh, as physical bodily, um, you know, um, ailments as well. And there's no shame in that at all. Um, and so people can learn more about Inkalink's Blue Hats program or counselling service. And you can visit inkalink.org.au. Big shout out to the to the organisation for the great work that they do, because I know that they've actually saved a lot of lives and a lot of families um, and their work is excellent and ongoing. So, yeah, I'm really pleased to be able to share that with you today. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organization and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're gonna be lo loading up other groups and you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events, we've got courses, we've got huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And for anyone listening, we'll, we'll have that link in the show notes. So you'll be able to click on that and go straight to Inklink and, and check it out. So thank you so much for sharing. And I think there's so many more things we can talk about. And also I feel very privileged to have you um, as your you know final um, interview and you know discussion before, before you sort of finish up. So thank you for making the time. Um, we finish every episode with five closing questions. So these are just sort of um, whatever answer comes to mind. Um, so nothing too crazy. I'm not going to throw you under the bus here. But um, the first one is, what's your best childhood memory that comes to mind? Wow. Um, I think that... Um, you know, I, I had a, a very, I had a wonderful childhood and, you know, a big shout out to my parents who did an amazing job. Um, but if I could choose a best childhood memory would be going on a holiday with my uh, parents uh, to um, Germany where my auntie and uncle lived and spending um, New Year's there and seeing um, an, a European, a proper European fireworks, mm. you know, on New Year's Eve that night and everyone was, you know, cold and it was snowing and the fireworks were going off and um, our whole family was there and enjoying that. And um, yeah, I used to love those uh, those those Christmases and those New Year's in, in Europe. So yeah, that would be a great childhood memory. I love that. 
what what would you say is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society or one of the um, biggest i think I, I think it's multifaceted i think that the biggest burden is is people uh, feeling that shame and not feeling that they can actually speak up about the things that they're experiencing because of that shame i think it's getting better i think many years ago you know if you uh, if you said that you had, um, you know, mental health issues or difficulties or challenges, um, that it was very taboo. But I think that that's that's starting to change now, um, which is really great. But I think the burden as well is about access to services. We've seen through the pandemic that, you know, a lot of people have got mental health plans. You know, I've, I've got a mental health plan Um and, you know, I'm certainly not ashamed to say it was a lot to deal with. Mm. Um, I went to my doctors and, and, I, and I said, you know, I, I need uh, I need support in that space. Yeah. Um, but I know that the services were overburdened. Um, so I think investment in uh, mental health services and, you know, bringing more people over. I, I just visited, um, you know, as I said, um, went overseas, visited all of those places and we're not alone. Like this yeah. is a global phenomenon, right? So um, Australia has a really important, um, there's an, an important time now to bring more skilled migrants over to Australia and especially those that have got, you know, mental health um, qualifications, um, you know, and, and to be able to help our those services and, and, and increase the services and the funding in that space so that we can be a, a very healthy and well society and community moving forward post pandemic. I think that's going to be really super important. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. And it is so important to, you know, have as many services available and to go and, you know, use these services and everyone listening should, you know, if you, if you are feeling like you, you need help, it, it is out there and you need to, you know, reach out. I, I always say the the one thing when it comes to mental health that you should not do is nothing, you know, just do something, whether it's uh, talking to a friend, going and getting professional help, or if you don't know where to go, literally just go on Google and, you know, type in free mental health helpline or whatever, just take that, make that first call. And that can lead you to, you know, making the necessary steps to go and to go and get help. So I think it's yeah super important. Uh, what's your personal definition of happiness? Uh, I think contentment um, and uh, I experienced a, a, a happiness yesterday. It's probably not answering your question um, correctly, but uh, I talk a lot about like, you know, I was speaking at my leaving due yesterday and and, I, and I'm leaving this role with, with not another job to go to. Um, yeah. And, but I know it's the right thing to do. Um, it's the right time. It's the right time for me from a mental health perspective. It's it's the right thing to do um, for uh, for me, and it's never an, an easy time, as I've mentioned. So, I've you know, happiness for me is knowing that I have the courage to back myself um, and to know that uh, that the universe is going to look after me in a nice way. Um, and uh, I do a lot of mindfulness and, um, you know, I think that it's important. So for me, having the courage uh, to, to make really difficult decisions makes me happy uh, mm -hmm. knowing that I've got, I've, I can back myself, you know, I've got, I've got, I've got my, I've got my own back, you know, um, yeah. and, and that is a, that is a pathway to happiness. There's no point in, in staying in something uh, if you're unhappy, whether it's a, a job or a marriage or a, you know, relationship or a, a, you know, standing in the middle of the supermarket. If you're not happy, well, 
just change it. You know, you, you've got the you've got the ability to do it. So yeah. that for me is the definition of happiness. I think that's a really great point. You know, we all we can often feel stuck, but we do have the power. Maybe not to change everything overnight, but to make some f- sort of step forward to start that process of making the change. So yeah, really like that one. Um, so two more. Uh, what are you most afraid of? Oh, that's a big one. I think, um, you know, my daughter is 23. I think I'm most afraid of her. She is like, <laughs> she's formidable. Um, and um, and I think that uh, I'm, I'm most afraid of not making enough difference, uh, particularly in the type of role that I've just had. I, I'm most afraid of the fact that I haven't done enough um, to secure a pathway for her and others that come after me. Yeah. And um, you know, that's a big burden. Um, and I'm, I, I'm most afraid of that uh, in many respects. But, um, yeah, I, I would hope that I have taught my daughter and I've mentored many other women over the last many years in my career and I would hope that the the lessons that I've taught taught them and um and the the things that they've seen me do um will mean that that they don't have to be fearful and that they don't have to you know um experience some of the things that I've experienced um and had to experience being afraid particularly Mm -hmm. in a male-dominated industry um and uh and showing that you know things can be different and um and that you don't have to be afraid in those spaces yeah absolutely well final one and i'm sure there's many many things that you can um come up with for this this one but what are you most proud of yeah that is a that's a big one like i could go on for four days (laughs) Uh, Even, yeah, from uh, what I've heard, I could name about 10. So from what you've just told well, me in this interview. You go ahead and answer them for me then. <laughs> I yeah, Look, I, I, it's always with a sense of trepidation that I talk about um, achievements and pride. Um, of course, I'm, I'm very, as I mentioned, my daughter, I'm very proud of her. She's an amazing, amazing woman. Um, and so that's one of the best things, best achievements of my life. Um, but I think that it's timely for me to mention that I'm most proud of the achievements that I that I have made at Master Builders, being the first woman appointed to that organisation in the association's 147 years, um, and all of the things that came with that through leading, you know, through a pandemic, you know, there mm. was an formal inquiry and investigation that I had to lead the organisation through um, when I first started, which was, you know, to address things that happened before I got there, and. And, um, you know, and, and all of those things are, I'm very proud of that. And I'm very proud of the legacy that I've left. Uh, but it's very important uh, for me to underscore that none of that could have been achieved without the great team that I have had, um, you know, working alongside me. Uh, people, I always say people don't work for me, they work with me. And, yeah. um, and you know, of course, the support from the board and the members as well. So I'm very proud of that. And um, and as I said at my leaving event last night, that um, my time at Master Builders is up there with, you know, working with Buckingham Palace and um, mm. and the Virginia Indians. And, you know, I had a great sense of pride when I 
when I had to negotiate with the Virginia Indians, the tribal chiefs, to try to encourage them to, to be part of the commemoration back in 2007. And that was a, a great sense of pride uh, that I managed to, um, to get that across the line. So, so these sorts of achievements are, are very much up there, but notwithstanding the fact that these are not lone achievements, that they take yeah. a lot of effort and energy from a whole group of people as well. So, yeah, that's a rambling answer, but, yeah, timely in terms of my departure from Master Builders. Yeah, well, look, I really appreciate you, especially, you know, with where with everything going on for you at the moment and finishing up at Master Builders, making the time to to have this chat, love everything you're doing and really appreciate you coming on and, you know, sharing your story. And uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this will take a lot out of it. So appreciate you making the time and hopefully we can, you know, do it again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly my pleasure. And thank you to you for shedding a little light on these really important issues uh, that confront everyone. And, um, you know, and I think it's a real credit to you and, and everyone else that's taken the time to listen to this podcast, because that means that they're also keen and interested to learn more and to know more and to address their own mental health uh, issues and, um, you know, or to help other people as well. So you keep up your great work. And, and once again, to anyone out there that's struggling, you know, our door is always open and um, and there's no shame in, in asking for help. In fact, it's a, it's a really courageous thing to do. So, um, you know, I hope that people get something from this and um, I look forward to working with you again, Nick and, and others on the call, um, on the podcast, um, you know, in my new role in, as the president of Inca Lincoln and in my other positions as well to continue to raise the profile of this really, really important issue, which is very personally important to me as well. Well, really appreciate it and best of luck with the next steps and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch soon. So thanks so much again for coming on. Thanks very much for having me. It's been a great pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks to Rebecca Casson for joining me today for Move Your Mind. If you'd like to join the Move Your Mind community, you can go to moveyourmind.me. And if you'd like to purchase the Move Your Mind book, you can go to nickbrax.com slash book. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.